Angus Breed has a legacy of leadership in the cattle business. Hi, I'm Miranda Ryman, Senior Associate Editor of the Angus Journal, and I've talked with the eight candidates vying for five seats on the Board of Directors. This clip brings us to McCurry Brothers Angus. Well, here on the line I have Greg McCurry, an Angus breeder who hails from South Central Kansas. And Greg, listeners may have kind of varying levels of knowledge of your backstory, so maybe you just want to start out by telling us a little bit more about yourself and your operation. Okay, great. Uh, good morning, Miranda. Nice to have you on the on the line. Uh, right now, my name is Greg McCurry, and I'm a third-generation Angus breeder. And right now, I'm sitting in my desk in the McCurry Brothers Show Barn here in South Central Kansas, near Sedgwick and Mount Hope. And this is where my grandparents moved in the early '30s. My my grandfather bought his first cattle in 1928, and they lived at uh, Genesee, Kansas, which is west of here. And then in 32, they moved six kids down here to to this place, and that's where I've lived there. I've lived here since we got married, and that's uh, been a pretty exciting for me to have that kind of historical background and, and uh, with my uncles and my brothers and everything else. Currently, uh, I have two brothers and a cousin and a nephew that work here. There are five of us. And uh, my wife, Pam, does a good job taking care of the books and taxes and things like that. So it's still a family operation, pretty much 100%. And uh, we raise corn and beans and alfalfa and wheat and uh, just started raising cotton a couple years ago. That seems to work pretty well in some of this dry land, pretty common Harvey County ground around here. Cotton's done pretty well. And we run about 500 cows. We've had some good sales over the years, and uh, currently we sell everything private treaty. That seems to be the way our customers like to buy them. They take their time and go through the bulls and pick out what what they kind of need. We sell a lot of bulls sight unseen. We've got a a loyal customer base that we're really uh, proud of and happy to have, of course, and uh, we're blessed to have them. So that's about it for me. I mean, as far as uh, the, the the outfit, the outfit's been continuous since uh, – my grandfather started in 28. Excellent. Well, thanks for helping that bio from the October Angus Journal kind of jump off the page. Okay. Um, tell me, what are some of the things that you think are going right in the Angus business today? I think we have a lot of things going right. I think it'd be pretty hard to screw it up, to be quite honest with you. But uh, it starts with the membership, obviously. We're fortunate to have the an innovative, creative, smart bunch of breeders out there that are always pushing the envelope. And, uh, that's what I would strive to work for if I'm elected, is to represent the membership the best we could. You know, we've got the best product, uh, the Angus. I watched an article or a show on TV last night on DTV about 44 farms. They were talking about the integration with Walmart and things like that and the enthusiasm that those bull buyers had in that chain and the, and the confidence they had in the, in the Angus breed is just amazing. It's great to see that those kind of programs on television. And we've got the best leadership, too. I mean, uh, we've struggled, obviously, over the last 10 years with uh, some issues, some in-house things that, uh, thank goodness, have been taken care of. And with Macaulay and Sticka and the rest of the staff, including yourself, the leadership is, is amazing. And I would encourage any member that uh, has never attended, like the Junior National, for instance, this year was in Grand Island, to take that in. Because the organization, the enthusiasm, and the quality of those animals is uh it's unbelievable, and a lot of people I don't think get a chance to go to those shows. I think we're at a point now where we're combining form and function and doability and carcass genetics and things like that into these cattle with some phenotype and some structure correct, and they can really get out and, and travel, and they're realistic. So uh, it's it's fun and functional, and it's, uh, it's a good way to see these cattle coexist in these shows. But the, the, the membership, the leadership, and our product, I would say. 
that's my favorite question to ask because everybody likes to talk about what's going right in the business. <laughs> so yeah. maybe now talk a little bit about some of the challenges that Angus breeders will face in the future and how the association can best adapt to okay. serve that membership. Challenges we'll face in the future. We're, we're facing some right now. I don't think they're internal. I don't think they come from the membership or the staff at all. I think they're external forces uh, that we're going to have to deal with that are somewhat outside of our control. But we do have uh, leadership and people in positions in different states and things like that. I just got off the FSA board that I've served on for six or seven years. I certainly learned a lot on that. And what we deal with there is what we're going to deal with in the Angus business and agriculture in general, which is uh, taxation, uh, you know, the, the waters of the U.S., uh, the Bureau of Land Management, you know, several issues out there with the progressive agenda that's being kind of forced at us right now is something we're all going to have to deal with. It, you know, for instance, the estate tax is a, is a big thing for people like most people in our business, which are family operations, which are you're trying to hand down or not hand down, but try to, uh, you know, extend that generational thing without getting taxed. So I think there are external forces outside of maybe of our direct control, but I think we've got the uh, the, the brain power and the staff in St. Joe and some people in the KLA and NCBA and things like that and other big organizations to help us out with that, and we're going to need some help. I mean, we do have big challenges outside of our control. Sure. So addressing challenges, that seems like a natural time to talk about leadership and, and why good leadership matters. So maybe just tell me about your leadership style and why good leadership matters. Uh, good leadership is, is key, of course, and I don't know how to describe, I don't know if I have a leadership style. I know I worked, my dad had four brothers, and uh, there were five of those guys. They were all veterans three of them combat veterans, you know, and so these guys were hard men. They were fair, and uh, you worked. There were nine of us, nine or ten of us at one time out here, cousins, and uh, trying to feel our way around and, you know, learn the agricultural thing and the cattle thing, and, you know, I think it's that way in most families. Some of the guys went more towards farming, and I personally was always picked by, I don't think you pick the cattle industry. It picks you, and once it does, you can't get out. That's all I've ever wanted to do is raise cattle and show cattle and things like that. But to answer your question on leadership style, you have to listen. I know my dad always uh, always said, God bless the flexible, because uh, they don't get all bent out of shape. I think that's something my grandmother used to say. And to work in a family operation like this, you better be pretty flexible. And and get along and listen and, and work with the other guys because we all have, we're all pretty strong minded, pretty strong willed, but we do work together as a partnership. And uh, I think as a board member, if I'm elected, I would strive to do that. And I know there's a lot of uh, things I've got, I've, a tremendous amount of things I need to learn, and I'd be willing to listen. I think that's more most important things to listen. Thanks for sharing that, that perspective. It's been fun to hear people's leadership styles for sure. Is there anything else that you'd like people to know before November's annual meeting? You know, I would just throw out there that uh, over the years, uh, my wife and I and children and brothers and cousins and nephews, and it's just been a part of our, the Angus business has been our life. And my wife and I have talked about maybe uh, trying to serve as a, as a board member. We've been asked several times by people to give it a shot. And, and so this isn't something you do by yourself. I'm glad Pam's along for the ride. She's very involved in it in the Angus business, and uh, it's just something we feel like we need to do to serve, to give something back to, uh, you know, I think I put in that bio, to something that's given our family so much. And if elected, we'll do our best to serve the membership. Well, it's a tremendous 
it's a tremendous investment of time, and I can say on behalf of all of us that we appreciate that there are good people willing to step up and, and throw their hat into consideration. So thank well, you for doing that, and otherwise we're set to see you at Angus Convention um, coming up next month. Thanks, Brianna. For a full list of delegates and business items, visit angusconvention.com. Elections will take place during the annual business meeting Monday, November 8th, and to hear all board candidate interviews, please visit angusjournal.net. Reporting for the Journal, I'm Miranda Ryman.